Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What's up, Chad? Back in the studio. Finally. Where we belong. Finally back again, my long-lost co-host. Yeah. no longer calling in from the Orlando, Florida, Disney World. And I, had- I think everybody assumes you pretty much just spend every day at Disney World down there. I would never do that. One, it's expensive. Two, I don't like crowds. We did SeaWorld one day. Mm-hmm. It was, in some ways, the worst day of my time at, in orlando <laughs> you did the wiki watchy mermaid show too that was the by far the worst day the wiki watchy yeah not a fan of that my inner ron swanson came out <laughs> when the government <laughs> controls something fun it makes it terrible <laughs> as soon like, as they start talking about all the government stuff you just immediately were like well no it's all the rules what was the rules dude there's there's like scrolls of rules everywhere you go you can't uh-huh. do this. Can't do that. Got to do this. Da, da, da. Obviously, I just showed that I didn't read any of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, what happened, like, I didn't know anything about it. And my wife is has the ability mm-hmm. to build things up. And she built it up. I'm thinking we're going to this spring, this mm-hmm. Clearwater Spring in the middle of the woods yeah. that we're just going to have all this fun That's because you're taking, you were taking the cue from probably what, my story of being there last time, which there is a place to go just to the spring and have all this fun, but that's not the, the water park. No, no, no. We went to Buccaneer Bay, it's, I guess. It's wiki-watchy. It is. But, yes, Buccaneer Bay... Is the government-owned entity. That's the that's like the stay that state away park. From that's that the state place. park. Yeah. If you go and take a, a left-hand turn and drive down another few miles, you come to Mary's Fish Camp and different things where you get your kayak and you just yes. go into the wiki watching. That's what I was thinking. And we're gonna be swimming no with manatees. That's we're, where yeah. we're gonna be snorkeling. No, they had like a roped-off swim area. Mm-hmm. You had to pay seven bucks to get a floaty to go. Uh, what do you call that? Lazy, Lazy River. River. It's like a hundred yards, and you're not allowed to get off the float. Yeah, I was like trying to <laughs> snorkel, look at all the fish. You're like, sir, get on the float. It's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> then you got to, you know, they just nickel and dime you when you're in there for yeah. all the stuff. So I did not have a good experience there. Um, I'm glad I knew that. Yeah, I know about it now. Wikiwatchy is a really cool place. It's I a feel natural- bad because I talked our friends. Like we, our friends lived. 15 minutes from there. Yeah. So we're like, hey, we're going to come to y'all's house. We'll stay the night, then we'll all go. Yeah. So we like, and they had never been, which shows you how, like, high on their radar it was. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yes, we talked them into it. And uh, I think they they probably had a good time. It was, like I said, my inner Ron Swanson came yeah. out. Yeah. Just like. If you don't think about all the rules, it's not a bad, I mean, as far as water parks go and stuff, it's fine. Yeah. It was cool in that regard. My son had a great time going down water slides. And my daughter loved the mermaid show. But, yes. <laughs> is it corporate? Is it government? Is it is it anything adventurous to it? No. <laughs> I felt bad about the mermaid show because we're like, we have three families there watching it, and I'm sitting around a bunch of kids, and we're just watching this turtle swim around the whole time. Anyways, I feel bad for talking 
so bad about Wikiwachi. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place if you know the right places to go. But if your only experience is the nice flex, the national park part of it or whatever, the government you'll have to bring part, me to the secret spot. It's not really secret. You can find it on your own. It's just it's just not uh, it's just not going to be highly advertised like the the Buccaneer Bay and all that stuff is. All right, you ready for some take it or leave it? I guess we'll see. Let's okay. see if I take it or if I leave it. First one, docent. Hmm, docent. You don't know anything about this. I do not. I didn't know it was a real thing. I thought you were trying to make up a word just throw me off. No, it is. It's a real thing. Well, I'm intrigued. I'll take it. So there's a thing called the Docent Research Group. Okay. And I'm going to read to you from their website. It is, oops, let me go to their about page. The Docent Research Group exists to equip pastors and executive pastors of large churches with the tools and resources they need to minister in their unique contexts. Mm-hmm. By using a team of researchers with graduate-level degrees or working on them, we provide clients with a wide variety of services. We do everything from demographic research to help plan for a new campus launch or church plant to sermon series preparation and planning. We mm-hmm. help churches craft position papers to articulate beliefs, and we write custom curriculum for small groups, Bible studies, and Christian education programs. If you need it, we can do it. What do you think about this? Hmm. Bible studies, Christian education. Sermons. Sermons. Well, <clears throat> some of that I'm okay with. I don't understand the sermon part of it. Mm-hmm. Because the role and the job of a pastor and an elder is to preach and teach the Word of God and to spend their time really understanding it for themselves in order to feed it to their flock. That's part of pastoral ministry. If you're looking for someone else to give you sermons to preach, you're just operating as like the church as an organization, not as a family of God or an entity of God. Mm-hmm. So, fundamentally, I disagree with that. Yeah, you're taking the priority of preaching and moving it down the list, saying, I need to farm that out so I have more time for what? Right. What are you filling your time with that you can't study? So, that's that's a wrong belief and understanding of the role of a pastor and elder. Well, I'm glad you think that. So, the reason this is relevant in today's culture Mm -hmm. is the new SBC... Southern Baptist Convention yeah. president, which I didn't even know we had presidents. We voted for them. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't get a vote that I knew of. Well, you weren't invited to the thing. I don't think so. You probably were, but they say <laughs> only the liberal, like, and that's another thing. We have moderates, conservatives, and liberals within the Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. apparently. And this guy is a moderate to liberal, like in that mm. spectrum. And he won. Nobody had ever really heard of him. And um, which makes me wonder how he won. His name's Ed Litton. Yeah. Well, he won because a lot of the conservatives didn't vote. They didn't. They didn't know about it. I mean, who knows what really that. happened? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I mean, on and this maybe maybe it was it was wrong on my part to not know. I don't know. Maybe I missed something I should have missed. You probably it probably is because we're a part of the SBC. A lot of people don't even know that. Right. I didn't know that for a long time. Yeah, it's not something that's like. We're not about organizations over the biblical 
Well, it's it's kind of a, th- a thing where like conservatives are you know out there like because the weak thing with the SPC is you you can autonomously govern your church. Yeah, we're not like Presbyterians, right? And so or the PCA. So when it comes like you're voting a new president, like we don't really care. We're running our church over here. We're shepherding the flock that God well, has given. Well, us. some people really care, right? And typically, <laughs> those people are ones with an agenda. And the agenda that is facing the church right now is a leftist agenda, mm. trying to move from a conservative stance to a left stance, which requires more, um, you know, activity. Mm-hmm. And so it could be said that they were more sought after to get them to this place to vote, thereby, because like Al Mohler was running. Everybody right. knows Al Mohler. Which, why wouldn't you vote for the Al Mohler? The smartest guy in the world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't he? Um, so... He didn't win this guy that nobody knew. Anyways, as soon as he was elected, some stuff came out that he, they basically showed a sermon that he preached. He's mm-hmm. preaching through the Book of Romans at his church. And you you put his one of his sermons side by side with J.D. Greer. Mm-hmm. And they're like identical. Mm-hmm. It is straight up plagiarism. Yeah. And so he was, um, he was called out for plagiarism. And it comes out, well, actually J.D. Greer gave him, um, you know, the authority to use his sermon. Sure. But then it comes out, they both use this docent research group, which just allows like write sermons for them. So who knows what's going on with all that? But your your concerns are the same concerns I'm hearing, you know, from within the community is like, why are we having pastors not wanting to prep their own sermons? Well, unfortunately it's from a very pragmatic thought process of just like running an organization and not really thinking of the church in the biblical terms and the role of a pastor and elder to preach and teach and minister the word of God to people. And that requires time in the word, understanding the word, exposing, expositing the word, preaching and teaching the word. Like that's the main job mm-hmm. of a pastor and elder. At least, at least, you know, we have a plurality of elders for Sam, who's our, He's our main uh, teacher. Like that's that's what his most important job is to do. Right. Um, and then if anybody else, any of the rest of us, get a chance to preach that for that week, that's our most important thing that we're doing. And that you week. want that because what if someone in your congregation has a question about how you came to this conclusion? Well, you just spent twenty to thirty hours in the text. Right. You're going to be able to give them some good content. I'm not going to say like I don't know. I got it from this site. I'm about to ask them. Right. <laughs> like I don't even really know why I believe this. It's crazy. They even used a story about being in India looking at a temple. They even plagiarized that. Like J.D. Greer used it as his own story. It's actually a Paul David Tripp story from uh, New Morning's Mercy. But then Ed Litton preached and he gave Paul Tripp credit. But yet, this, it's, it makes that no is, sense. I don't know. Yeah. It's like this this big like buddy-buddy system of... I just don't understand that, honestly. It's from a... It's from a, a model of church that I wouldn't agree with. I'll just put it that way. Right. I just think it's wrong. Yeah. Because the whole job is for me to spend time in the Word. Like when I preach, to spend the time in the Word, to be God's mouthpiece, to really say with conviction what I believe God's put on my heart to say through the passage that that I'm given or He's given me to do. Or, or you know, if I'm preaching... We're preaching through Luke as a church, and my task that week is to preach the next passage. You know, taking that passage and making sure to say what 
and what God has put on my heart to say about it rightly, you know, to exposit it rightly, to get the main point right, and then to share uh, in that way. Or if I'm doing a counseling sermon that I do from time to time, I'm still picking passages to exposit, to talk about that counseling topic in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's not to just tell you what someone else says. If that's the case, then you should go to that person's church. But like, there's the aspect of ministering the word. It's not just a lecture, like, and you know, a performance. Just information out there. It's not. A, yeah, exactly. It's ministering the word. It's preaching the word. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's passion. There's heart. There's conviction involved in all that. And just saying somebody else's words, it's not a TED talk or a speech. Right. You. There's no way you r- arrived at a conviction of that. Right. Through reading someone else's sermon. Yeah, it makes no sense. I know, that's rough. All right, next topic. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like this is this could be a landmine to step on. But I'm gonna take it. All right. Um so it really has not much to do with the topic. Okay. It's just like I don't know. You'll see. Do looks matter when um, dating someone or deciding to date someone? Uh, it's certainly not primary. It's mm-hmm. not even really top of the list. Does it matter in some ways? Sure. I mean, should you have a general attractiveness to, to someone? Does that help? Sure. I'm not going to say it doesn't help. But order of priority is first and foremost their heart for God. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down, if you pick a mate on any other thing other than their love for Jesus, if they don't love Christ in the same way that you do, assuming that you're pursuing Christ, it is a bad idea. It's Mm -hmm. not going to work. It's a bad start. It's not going to work. You have to be aligned upon the convictions. The Bible says it clearly. I think it's in 1 Corinthians. I forget which chapter. 7. About being unequally yoked. That doesn't just mean a non-believer and a believer. It means like equal in your your beliefs, like how you view, just because somebody says I'm a Christian doesn't mean you're equally yoked. Right. You may find out later that they really don't have a passion for the Lord. They really don't pursue the Lord. You want to look at that person and you want to find someone who's running the same race you're running. So that's number one. Then I would say number two would be personality. <laughs> like, do you enjoy being around that person? Yeah. Because by the way, for anybody who's married, like looks, the looks part of it becomes very low on the totem pole. Be careful where you're... Well, I'm just saying, like, not saying, (laughs) hey, I have a very beautiful wife I'm attracted to, so I'm saying that first, right? (laughs) But if I did not enjoy her company, if she annoyed me, like, that's way worse than not thinking that she's pretty, right? right? If that was, like, if you're choosing, right? Like, because you got to do life together. you got to be friends. Or you might get a beautiful face, but not much intelligence there. Or, or whatever the case is, you know, maybe maybe they're just difficult. Maybe they're just like fill in the blank. Ditzy. And you think it's cute in dating? You know, oh, I can overlook that. You won't. Right. <laughs> so if their heart's not right with God and their personality is one that you can't stand, that's a bad idea, right? Now, bottom of that list definitely looks matter in that way. Like mm-hmm. yes. You can't be appalled by them or whatever, you know? Um, And honestly, 
you're probably not gonna go out on a date with somebody that you're like you can't stand to well, look at. Well, if those at. other things are there, then I feel like you'll be attracted to the person. And that was gonna be my next because bodies change. We get older, right? Yeah, like all that stuff elderly happens. people are not attractive. Like, right. It's not like as you get older, you start being exactly. attracted to old people. Exactly. Like you just love that person. Exactly. And you have eyes for who you have eyes for, and you can really choose that, honestly, in, in most ways. But if the heart for the Lord is right, and the personality is one that you enjoy and get along with, that's going to enhance their physical beauty. And that's going to make them beautiful to you, even when and if something happens in, in terms of like, what if something happens where half their face gets burnt off? Or like, yeah. what happened? Like, they're, like, that's extreme, I know. Disfigurement. But, you know, once again, we get older, we lose hair, we get flabby, we, you know, yeah. change waistlines occasionally. <laughs> like, like, if you're putting all your stock in or how someone never looks, seen without makeup on until they get married. Right. There's all kinds of things. But their love for God and their, and, their friendship, that makes them beautiful to you no matter what. And and honestly, you when you choose to have eyes for no other person, which you should if you're married, like they become your standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. The world shouldn't be your the world shouldn't tell you what your standard of beauty is anyway. That person that you love dearly, that loves God, they are your standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. And they become the most beautiful person in the world to you because you're choosing to love them in the way that God has called us to love, period. So if you're getting all hung up on physical looks, man, you got it so backwards and upside down and you have no idea how little that would matter. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else. Like You can go get a Ferrari tomorrow if that's like, say that's your favorite car. You drive that sucker for three or four months, it just becomes a car. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's a Ferrari anymore. A loud car. You know what I mean? Um, and if, you're, if your whole basis for your relationship is looks, uh, give it some time and it's just another person. Right. And those looks don't matter. And that other stuff will rise to the surface. And if, it's, if their heart is not for the Lord and their personality is one that's not easy to get along with, you won't be there much longer, I can mm-hmm. promise you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I have it triggered. <laughs> Please, I like. I, we haven't had one in a while. We need a, a sound effect for triggered. It's like a glass shattering. Yeah. All right. It's been raining a lot lately. All right. And my trigger is people who put their hazards on in the rain. I thought that was. A, I thought that was a safe thing to do. No. Your brake lights. Or what is a safe thing to do? <laughs> I only need to know if you're stopping. I can see you. It's not. It's what not. If like what if their hazard light is? Hey, I'm an unsafe driver. Stay far away from me. <laughs> That's pretty much what it means to me. It's like, why are you putting? And then people start putting them on. One time, Brick got me because I was just like irate mm. about this, and she like snuck yours my, on. <laughs> my hazards on. I couldn't help but laugh. But yeah, man, I can't, like. You don't need to put your hazards on when it's raining, people. Like, your brake lights do the same thing. They tell me. And honestly, your hazards, if I'm looking at all these flashing lights and then you do put your brake lights on, you like, confused. I'm going to miss the brake lights, potentially. Mm-hmm. Whoever, whoever started that probably started COVID, too, is all I'm saying. <laughs> what if it's but, like an actual law you don't know that it is? <laughs> I, I mean, you know I didn't research it before. I 100% know that. But, 
If somebody know if this is an actual law, will you please comment? But don't look it up just to prove me wrong. If you no, know about definitely it, definitely look it up. Definitely look it up and send the actual like law. So if if it is a law, so that we can all laugh at Josh. Do you put your hazards on? <laughs> no, or? I do not. And that's the thing. What's the standard like of rain? You no, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also think it's dumb. But I, it would just make me laugh really hard if it turns out that's actually a law that you're breaking by not putting your hazards on. I can't stand it. And that's just like the one person that knows what the actual law is and you're yelling at them. It's always not one person, though. It's many people do it. Yeah, but what if many people know what the law is? No, I think many people are sheep and they just see one person do it and the next person does it. <laughs> like, it doesn't help, people. It does not help. Yeah. All right, so if it's a law, somebody please comment. It's right. probably the same people that wear masks during COVID. It's like, if you're scared about the virus, stay home. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're scared of rain, don't drive. If you're scared of the rain, <laughs> then don't drive on the interstate when it's raining. Listen, I'm just being uh Or stay in the left lane, at least. I'm Let, just being... Give me con- my space. Left lane's a fast lane. Stay in the right lane. That's what I'm saying. Stay out of the left lane. Oh, out of And it. I will take... I will just... Go the speed limit like I, thought, I always do. I thought do. you said stay in the left lane. I'm like, that's the worst place for him to be. <laughs> no, get out of the left lane. Left lane is for passing. Uh, pass all you fools. <laughs> so I hope I didn't offend anyone. I'm just being contrarian. I also think it's dumb, but it just is fun to... I'd really like to know if it's a law, though. There's no way it's a law. I'm about to Google it while we're talking. Like, I would think if it was like... No, that wouldn't even be possible. Like... Someone would have to set like when it's the standard of because you wouldn't put it on when it's sprinkling, mm-hmm. you know. You just put it on when you feel unsafe. Like no, you're you're making things more dangerous. Yeah, I think it's a law the the other way. You cannot put your hazards on unless you're on the side of the road. That's the law. I like that. Yeah. Are you supposed? Do you even know how to Google things? To put your hazards right in the paragraph. <laughs> to google that's <laughs> like never googled anything listen there you go it finished the sentence for me there's no need to use your flashers while driving in the rain all right it's actually against the law yes you, you you're yes. right look at you <laughs> louisiana law prohibits using flashing lights unless a vehicular traffic hazard requires unusual Son, care and approaching I'm getting a overtaking or passing <laughs> So for the guy who hates rules and the law, this time it works to your favor. Yes, because Romans 12, <laughs> the law is it's, not a hindrance to... It's to 13. 13. <laughs> but the ahead. law is not a hindrance to good conduct, but to bad. Yeah, yeah. I love the law when it's godly. <laughs> when it agrees with Josh. No, when it agrees with the Bible, common sense, biblical worldview, <laughs> what we're all about here. No, that's awesome. I didn't expect that. I actually expected that you were probably wrong. I was nervous about that. You were, <laughs> but you were right. It's against the law, people. It feels great being on the side of the law. Actually. Not only does it, because I thought it would just not say anything about it. Right. It doesn't. It actually says it's against the law. Gosh, that is just so good. I feel like we could end the podcast now and be happy with today. <sighs> we're not going to. So nobody turn off the podcast, but just saying, this is a big victory for you. We probably have two types of listeners. Mm -hmm. Listeners who listened up to this point and turn it off. (laughs) Or or listeners who fast forward (laughs) to get to this point (laughs) to listen to the actual content. But you know what? We give everybody what they want. We get a little little bit for each person. Yeah. I wish we had like a break on the pod so they could find 
the next. Some thing. people, this is the dessert of the podcast. Some people don't like dessert. Some people save dessert for the end. Some uh, people eat dessert first. Yeah. People who listen to this part, they like their dessert first. Right. Most would call this like the meat and potatoes, but you're calling it the dessert. No, this part, the the take it or leave it. Oh, that's the dessert. This but is we put what first. we're about to do is meat and potatoes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Some people just want straight up meat and potatoes. They don't want dessert at all. Yeah, but so, I mean, you can just go read the book. <laughs> you like boring things. <laughs> Are you just dogging what we're about to do? Yep. <laughs> not a good start. That's not a good way to do a podcast. Hey, you know what? The things that we're doing really mean nothing. You guys shouldn't even be <laughs> listening to can't believe y'all podcast, listen to us. According to Josh. But hey, he was right about one thing. Hazards are against the law yep. in the rain. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. That is definitely true. Do you have a Kentucky saying for something like no, that? No, that's, that's one of them. That's what you use? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then y'all have squirrels. You didn't know we had squirrels. No, I thought y'all had chipmunks. <laughs> and ducks. <laughs> squirrels are everywhere, bro. <laughs> now, where was I? Oh, I was in I was in Florida. What did they have instead of squirrels? They also have squirrels in Florida, by the way. <laughs> I've seen them myself. But go ahead. Oh no. What were they? Shoot. There's some animal that were like all over the place, just like squirrels would be. Tree dwellers. Ah. <sighs> Gone blank. It's compelling podcast material. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, Florida's like, they got these things instead of squirrels. Okay. I get it. <laughs> you don't get it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely do not get it. <laughs> All right. Chapter 15 Spiritual Leadership. We're almost done. We got seven more chapters of this amazing book. The Cost of Leadership. This is, a, I feel like, a controversial topic. Chapter. Mm-hmm. It starts out in Mark. I found myself a little torn going back and forth as I was reading this. Really? Yeah. Well, it starts out with Mark ten thirty eight, our scriptural basis. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? This is from Jesus' lips. Mm-hmm. This is coming on the heels of where uh, John and James want to be at the right hand and the left, and Jesus is saying, hey, can you, can you drink the cup that I drink? Right. You know? Do you understand what it costs? To be at my right hand or my left? At the right. time, they obviously did not because they had no idea he was about to be He's crucified. referring to the sacrifice he was going to make. Right, because he's trying to teach them about the servant leader and first, you know, last will be first. And and he's going to basically take all of the sin of the he it Not basically, he is going to take the full <laughs> sin of the world on the cross, the full wrath. Well, it depends on if you're like a limited atonement kind of guy. You know? <laughs> right. And then... They are going to follow as apostles in those footsteps and be martyred and all kinds of things for the faith. At the time, they don't know this. They think triumphal entry and we're going to be like King David and we're going to take this place back over and we want right. to be, we want to be in the royal party. We want to be big shots. And uh, they had no idea what they were asking for. Yeah, but that's a great start to this chapter because many people want all the fame or all the recognition or all the responsibility or whatever from leadership, but many people don't want to do what it costs, mm-hmm. which is, that's that's what the majority of leadership, you know. Well, and this is where I think it gets a little controversial, is I, I read this chapter and it describes a leader and what he's sacrificing, but and you do see that a lot in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's just they're sacrificing for a different reward, usually a financial reward or um, 
just trying to climb the ladder, yeah. corporate ladder, whatever it may be, career, success, achievement. Yeah. And so you do see a lot of this attitude of like, I'm, you know, from 20 to 50, I'm going to give it all, all I got. You know, I'm going to mm. sacrifice my family, you know, my free time, you know, hobbies, all this stuff so that I can achieve something. Mm-hmm. So that's where it, it's like, well, people get this. Yeah. They get what it means to sacrifice for something greater, quote unquote. Sure. Um, I think it's just misapplied a lot, especially in our culture. So to me, I felt like I needed to be less sacrificial mm-hmm. in, well, not sacrificial, but less ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to like turn that on when you're yeah. dealing with people in ministry, right? It looks yeah. a lot different. It doesn't look like hard work like you would think in the, corporate world mm-hmm. you know it looks more like waking up early and praying <laughs> yeah spending more time in the word yeah you know spend a lot of time in a relationship with someone where you don't see the fruit of it because mm-hmm. i think that's what jesus is alluding to like you guys aren't going to see fruit like david got to see he united all the tribes of israel together under right. one kingdom you're not going to see fruit like that in this kingdom mm-hmm. until you die <laughs> right so, I don't know. What do you think, man? I think... Um, what do you think about, like, do you see this uh, characteristic played out a lot, or do you think this is something that's lacking in ministry? I think... Spiritual leadership. I think it's highly lacking. I think... Um, I think a lot of people enter into the ministry... This is going to sound controversial but as a cheap way to feel important because it's a pretty easy place to enter into. Low barrier of entry. Yeah, it's like, hey, I feel called to this and not many people challenge that mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, you know, once again, I know these are going to be controversial statements, but even in seminary, and I was at a great seminary, I saw, I didn't see a lot of cream of the crop people. There's some, don't get me wrong. And I'm not even necessarily saying I'm one of those. But my point is, I saw a lot of people that I don't think could have succeeded at much of anything else in life. Mm-hmm. And grandma said that God's going to use, use them for big things. And they were spiritual eggheads in that, in that way. And that was their goal. But when it came to a true passion for ministry, like to minister in the way the Bible shows, I mean, most of them that I would talk to had never even shared their faith with anybody before mm-hmm. and were terrified to do so. But yet they're studying to be a pastor of a church. Didn't make any sense yeah. to me. You know what I mean? Like seminaries or places like that should be there as a, as a support to those that are already doing the ministry that God's calling into it. Right. Not some place to go get a degree like any other thing and figure it out later. Yeah. Right. And most people want to go into established situations that are easy. You know, like, hey, I want to, I'm going to get hired by this great church, big church, kind of work myself up the, the ladder, be a pastor there and draw a good salary and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Now, I'm not speaking about everybody who's in ministry, but I'm just saying I see that more than I see people who would do it anyway. 
And I think when it comes to spiritual leadership, it should be people that would do it anyway. That would make disciples regardless of title or role, regardless of job, regardless of anything, mm-hmm. right? That their passion is for the Lord and for the local church. And because the local church is Christ's means, right? For, for the world to spread the message of the gospel. And so, and unfortunately you see a lot of pastors who are more marketers than they are pastors, you know? Uh, in the seeker-sensitive model or movement or, you know, let me give you a fun story or two and a couple points and a application and you walk away feeling like you really learned something and your life got better and you didn't get any closer to God. You, you know, you've barely even touched most of your Bible and don't even really understand right, you weren't about, even anything exposed about it. to the text, to what the right. text is actually saying. Right. So you're not even being changed by the Holy right. Spirit. Or when you go through something really hard, all of a sudden there's no pastors around or there's no one in the church that's there for you. You know, I know that's the experience of many uh, in the church, Um, you know, big C church where, yeah, they're part of these big, great, grand churches full of people on a Sunday. Everybody's doing great. But they've just went through a hardship or some, you know, they've lost someone in their family or, or they're contemplating suicide and they look outside of the church to find somebody to grieve with them or minister to them, you know, in terms of like a professional counselor or something like that. Right. Yeah, you see that a lot. Yeah. They don't go to their pastor. And then some who do go to their pastors, their pastors are so ill-equipped and actually knowing how to minister the word, it's, it's sad and laughable. Yeah. Right? I was just talking to a client yesterday and He'd been to multiple pastors and psychologists before he and I were meeting. And um, his stories are not favorable to those pastors because essentially it was just like, oh, that's, that stinks. Let me pray for you. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't help somebody who's really struggling and needing help. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? like, But those pastors didn't know how to minister the word. They didn't even know where to go in the word to even begin to categorize what's going through. So how does it get to that point? Like, how do you get to that place as a pastor? What's um, lacking? A lack of biblical doctrine, understanding, passion, biblical theology, practical theology. I mean, I can go down a list of things that's lacking. Yeah. So right. they need more seminary or less? Or they just need to care more? <laughs> or they need to know how to apply it? Like, well, where'd they go wrong? Not all seminaries are created equal. I'll start there. You know, a lot of seminaries that aren't really producing people who really have good understanding of knowledge and doctrine. But yours did. But you said yours also produces a bunch of eggheads. It did because it's not just about knowledge. It's also about heart. And it's also about, there's a lot of other So that's where the things. cost of leadership comes in. Right. These are, you basically got a separation between the people that are willing to mm-hmm. sacrifice. Right. And, I, and I'll say this from a place of, when I tell my story, I am a, everybody is, but I am highly aware that I'm a product of God's sovereign goodness. Because I just, in my mind, I just happen to be, but obviously we know God's providence. (laughs) I didn't just happen upon anything, right? But for me, I just got saved through campus outreach that had some good theology, and I I was introduced to guys like John Piper and MacArthur and other things, right? And was discipled through the Word of God. 
I could have been saved through any kinds of means, right? Right. That just happened to be God's plan for me, right? So when I'm saying these things, I'm saying this from a place of like, I didn't necessarily do this, right? Um, God put inside of me a long time ago, even before I was a Christian, a lot of ambition to work hard and dream big. I was doing that before I was a Christian, right? right? So that was natural, but that was all God because anything I have is from God, you know? I don't necessarily, like I didn't I didn't conjure that up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where he utilized some of your natural abilities. That's right. He uses our weaknesses, but he can also use our strengths. Absolutely. And then I worked on a staff where I saw the modern American church from the inside and honestly learned a lot from what's wrong with the church, but that was still good. Mm-hmm. Good education during that time. But it also afforded me, and I'll always be grateful, It was a. I also had a platform that many didn't have to exercise the things I was learning, right? Like I was discipling people and, and have an opportunity to lead in some ways and different things inside of a church that I wouldn't have had otherwise, you know? So I'm always grateful for that. God taught me a lot through a lot of my mistakes during that time you know, more than anything else. And then God put on our hearts to plant a church. And once again, God's providence and goodness, he partnered me up with Sam, you know, and when we'd been partners throughout that whole story, right? Uh, Friends and, you know, kind of always together through a lot of that. I didn't ask for that. He's from Chicago. I'm from Eastern Kentucky. We had no reason to ever meet other than God wanted us to, Mm -hmm. right? And, and that was good for me because Sam has different skill sets and different passions than I do for things like like doctrine and theology and things that I maybe wouldn't have taken as seriously as I should, right? But he's always challenged us and challenged me in this process and it's grown my understanding and my love for doctrine and theology and I see now not like now, right now, but I have seen over the past five, six, seven years of our friendship and and just for myself, like how much, you know, what I do in biblical counseling is the, theological and, and to be a great counselor, I got to be a great theologian, mm-hmm. right? And to be a great minister, you got to be a great theologian. And there's a cost to that. There's time invested in that, right? There's getting up in the morning when you don't feel like it. There's reading stuff when you could be sitting and watching TV. There's Right, there's trying, there's putting yourself out there, there's taking risks, there's all that stuff that's involved in all those kind of things, right? right? There's putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. I still do that. There's plenty of counseling situations that come through our door here that I've never touched before that are complicated and I feel like I'm on brand new ground and I don't feel comfortable even though I've got many years of experience, mm-hmm. right? But I gotta trust God with that, right? All those things force me to trust God. Um. And so I'm fortunate for that. I'm fortunate to, at that church, to back up, that we they paid for our seminary. And that just, the seminary that happened to be closest was Southern Seminary in Louisville, which was some of the greatest theologians in the world, Al Mohler being one, the president of. Yeah. But Dr. Stuart Scott, you were just commenting today. 
you know, you're like, man, that's you read a book by Stuart Scott, you see where Chad gets his, yeah, gets his wisdom. And I've always said that he was my mentor. Never hidden that. I've never hidden that. Nobody just ever listened to me. You never hear Stuart. Like, (laughs) he's not one of the famous ones. Exactly. You know, like you, I can't even find a YouTube video on the guy. Right. But he was my mentor and main professor. I had him for most of my classes, and um, a lot of what I I learned because he was basically discipling me because honestly through probably five different classes that I took that were all his that he led at that time when I was at that church I was starting to counsel a couple people and I way in over my head had no business doing it but our church had nobody else to do it Mm -hmm. and that was the degree the degree I was getting so literally every single class I would sit I would listen and I would learn I'd take notes and then I would stay after for 30 minutes talking to Dr. Scott about a case that I had and what he would do. Wow. Like I do it every day almost. I mean, for a couple of years there when when I was in some of my higher level counseling classes, I literally did that every day. That's cool. You know, or every time I was in class. But if you wouldn't have been counseling, you wouldn't have had that. I need wouldn't have to had like those things to talk extra, to. Right. Yeah. All God's providence, right? And the Holy Spirit inside of me drives me and this is not something that's just unique to me like God and all of Christians should have that same passion for for the, his word and for the gospel and for everything, right? But I was really fortunate in God's providence to put me with people. Like I was taught to share my faith from day one of being a Christian because that's how I became a Christian with yeah. someone sharing their faith. Dude, on Summer Project, like we had guys that weren't even a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like they were not clear about their testimony come to find out they weren't saved yet. Yeah. Like, but they were sharing their faith already. Right. And then thank God they became a Christian over the next few yeah. weeks because God was definitely drawing them. But like they were already being taught to share their faith right. before they even, and they were okay with it. I thought we were going to meet this huge pushback mm-hmm. with all these students like, hey, all right, here we go. Time to go out to the streets, start sharing. They're all excited. Yeah. They're like, you can just tell it's natural. Mm-hmm. But after five, 10 years of just kind of, Going going with the motion, not never seen anyone else do it in your mm-hmm. church. Then it becomes uncomfortable because you're like, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't right. We mm-hmm. don't do this. Nobody does this. Only the crazy people on Bourbon Street, the Turner Burn people, do it. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's actually a very normal thing. Yeah, it should be very natural to do. Yeah. Anyways, absolutely. I don't know what we're talking about. Cause well, you're asking about <laughs> this, like the spiritual leadership. So I say all those things to answer the question of it's a real problem. And many people who find themselves in leadership spiritually aren't really leading spiritually. And they definitely didn't count the cost. Right. Because what they thought it was going to be and what it is is two very different things. Well, I think what you'll find, I mean, this is in any leadership position, but since we're talking about spiritual leadership, this is even more relevant, but this will happen in the business world too. Yeah. When you're leading, you will be faced with a lot of negative things. Mm-hmm. And we're about to talk about, I think there's six of them. And so the task of a leader becomes not avoiding those those negative things and focusing on, on just the good things. That's what you'll see. Like in every situation, secular or spiritual, you will see people avoiding what mm-hmm. they need to be focusing on. Like we read about these pastors that are letting other people research the word of God for them. That mm. should be the most enjoyable part of your, if you're a pastor. Yeah. Do that for 20 hours this That's week. I get the fun part. I get to read the word. That should be the fun part. Yeah. 
But people will neglect that so they can do these other things that they're mm-hmm. probably good at. Well, it's right? because those other things um, are seen as success. That's why they do them. Well, that and also you get to avoid a lot of these things. So this is some of the, I think, six costs of leadership. Mm-hmm. We got loneliness, fatigue, yeah. criticism, rejection, pressure, and perplexity. And then you also got cost to others, like sacrifice. So that's where some of these will rub up on, you know, you see people who aren't even believers, they, they are willing to sacrifice some mm-hmm. of these things. Like <laughs> they're sleeping four hours a night, you know, so they can be successful. Yeah. Um, but th- in ministry as well, you got the loneliness piece. Which one of these, like, can you speak to? Loneliness, fatigue, criticism, rejection, pressure, and perplexity. I mean, all of them. Honestly, because um, these are these are true costs. Um, Self sacrifice. I mean, to to lead spiritually or to lead properly is to a lot of times deny things that would be fun for you or good for you or your family's going to sacrifice. So that you can be there for somebody else who needs it. Yeah. You know? And that's okay. Or, like I said, when everybody else is going to the movies or having fun little date nights and everything else, you might be sitting up writing something or or studying for a sermon. or, um, And that's not to, like, pity. That's just part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but the other side of it, I was just telling our team here at Nehemiah, yesterday is like but i i'm i feel so privileged to get to do it you know like this weekend was a situation where unfortunately half our staff got covid especially pastor sam and then pastor josh who was going to fill in for him and i was Mm -hmm. just coming off vacation yeah and i had so many people being like man that sucks you're just coming off vacation i didn't see it that way at all uh the only reason why i didn't take it in the first place because sam called me wednesday was i didn't take my computer or anything and I didn't know if I would have enough time to put in to to be faithful to the text. Right. And Josh, what you know, Josh Seal at that point in time did not have COVID, and he's preparing to be a church planner, you know, and he's preparing. He's really grown in his preaching, so it's like, yeah, that makes the most sense. He's there. He he should do it, right? Yeah. And then he gets COVID, so <laughs> I get to do it anyway. On Friday, he tells you. Yeah, but that didn't make me upset at all. Um, I was grateful that I was healthy and able to do it. Yeah. And and a lot of me look forward to getting to preach to our congregation, you know. Um, yeah, there was some pressure on it and there was some sacrifice. Like, yeah, I drove home and, you know, got out of the car and went straight to my office so I could spend the rest of the night preparing my sermon for the next morning. Yeah, you could have had like a decompression time. Yeah. But, but that's okay. I got to do something way more important than sitting on my hind end feeling good about myself. Yeah. And that was giving the word of God to people and helping people. And that same day, I had a married couple that I came back for as well to, to counsel, even though it was 4th of July, because they're having a really hard time. They're new They're they're new and aren't doing well yet. I mean, we only met like once or twice, and I left on vacation, and they... And they couldn't reschedule, so they already missed. We already missed one. Mm-hmm. Me being out of town, and I didn't want to do it to them again. Yeah. And you know, I hadn't even like family members, you know, like a sister in law, being like, "Why are you? You know, like you could, 
it's fourth of july it's like well i don't see it like that right it's okay i mean i'm gonna get time to celebrate with my family i'm gonna get time but like that matters yeah and i look and i don't say that to pat myself on the back i'm saying like i see it as a privilege Mm -hmm. to get to do um that stuff doesn't drain me Right there's many other things about leadership that drains me, but those yeah, you, things are not the things. If you are in a thing. position of leadership, you will find places where, like, you're experiencing, mm-hmm. like, you're overjoyed to do, or you can't believe you are. Too. Yeah, like you have this, like, I still feel privileged energy to be here. for it. I still feel that. But as a leader, you always find places that fatigue you, mm-hmm. and that you will be pressed to avoid. And that's where these negative um, feelings of loneliness come in. Um, you know, fatigue, criticism, self-sacrifice, you're pressed to do these things and there's no there's no fix for that really other mm-hmm. than doing them and praying that God helps you, you know? Mm-hmm. Or do you disagree? No, I agree with you. Okay. Um, but there's, like I said, a lot of people don't count that cost of sacrifice. Right. And sometimes people cause their own struggles too. There's some things that are a natural sacrifice. Some things are just due to your own sin and laziness. Mm-hmm. So some people read this and be like, oh, yeah, like I got to really sacrifice. And the reality is they're not really sacrificing. They're procrastinating. Yeah. Right? And then they feel overwhelmed by it and all this kind of stuff. And really it's selfishness and sinfulness. It's, yeah. not, it's not a true sacrifice. Right? Um, but there are natural sacrifices in the in the role of leadership especially spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. Loneliness. I mean, thank the Lord I don't feel this too much because I have other people that are in the same boat, you know? Um, you know, like I said, planted with Pastor Sam. And so we were always able to uh, console or to relate to one another and, you know, in the loneliness of leadership or even other leaders like yourself or Mike that I want, you know, like understand it now. So, yeah, I definitely understand it, but I think I felt it a lot transitioning mm-hmm. into ministry. Yeah. Because I went from just being a member of the church, serving in all these different ways, but right. just like kind of just showing up when I could and mm-hmm. and always being under yeah. things, under things that are happening. And then like I move out to Hammond, I'm just like, here yeah, I am. Here we are. I know, And I know everybody's with me. Right. Like y'all are with me, supporting yeah. me, praying for me. But I right. still, it's, I still feel alone. Yeah, and I, I realized like I thought that was wrong at first, and I thought I needed mm-hmm. a fix for it. Some of that's natural. But I was like, this is, I feel like this is the cost of leadership. No one is leading right. more than I'm leading. Right. So I can't look to anyone on our campus because mm-hmm. we're we're the right. ones doing it. Matt, and myself, right. and Casey. So, and so I feel like I'm feel the exact same way. I feel like I can commiserate. Like I got people that understand me, but then there's some things that no one can understand yeah that's me personally right. right like no one understands what it means to to start and create this counseling ministry that's only my task to do right um just like no one understands sam and what that means to week in and week out prepare sermons and and do that yeah every every time he asks me to preach i get a little taste of yeah it. I'm like, for sure how get a little taste do that Right. Every Occasionally, week. somebody will like sit down and have a discipleship that turns into more of a counseling thing, and they'll be like, "How do you do that all right. the time?" Or college students, you know, like being on campus and doing that from the ground up. You know, like there's definitely going to be people that can't fully understand what you go through yeah. day in and day. Somebody out. probably has one conversation with a college student, and they're like, "Oh God, how does Josh do that?" Exactly. You get used to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
But once again, there's some natural loneliness that comes with positions of leadership. Yeah, right. Sure. Because no one else is responsible. Fatigue, that is definitely something that is always being fought against. Yeah. Right? Because um, in ministry especially, um, there's no like, it's not like a nine to five thing. Right. Like you're- You can always pray more. You can and always, that's the most humbling thing I think in the world. And there's always somebody that can use your help. And yeah. there's always something else that could be done. Yeah. And you have to choose to work in a rhythm that makes sense. You have to choose to rest- because, mm-hmm. like, that's tough. That's tough to have that self-discipline. So fatigue is definitely uh, criticism. I mean, anytime you're doing something for the Lord, like, you're going to have, anytime you lead anything, I mean, in life, you're going to have critics. I mean, there's whole jobs out there, like sports analysts and stuff. The whole job is to critique, right? Right. Or movie critics or whatever. Well, people just naturally have the gift of criticism. Oh, yeah. But what we don't have the gift of is doing something. What, uh, doing, <laughs> but also a, uh, a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like taking the criticism in, yeah, and yeah not it's affecting tough. us. It's you know? tough because there's some there's some truth in the absorbing. Criticisms, that's the word you know? I'm looking for. There's definitely some truth in the criticisms at times, and sometimes yeah. there's no truth in it. But anytime you're doing something for Christ especially spiritual leadership, like the world is going to reject you. Yeah. So criticism comes with the well, territory. I think that's why we see a lot of division in the church right now over all these topics that are coming up. These, mm-hmm. you know, the CRT, yeah. the racial reconciliation. Like, you, because who's the people that are like surrendering beliefs quickly? It's it's all the, the big guys that are buddy-buddy with all these other people. Mm-hmm. You can tell they just... They don't want to feel the criticism from yeah. the world. Like, you just got to walk by the word, mm-hmm. and you're going to feel criticism from the outside, and you got to be able to absorb that. Yeah. You got to feel the attacks and just keep going. Yeah, keep it moving. But people don't want to. You know, they don't want to hurt feelings. They also don't want their feelings getting hurt. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, nobody likes to hear criticism. And then the pressure and perplexity and rejection. I mean, that, that was interesting. I wonder if you felt this. He basically quoted some guys and said, when he was a new Christian, he was able to hear God's voice very clearly and always know what to do. Mm-hmm. But the more mature he got, it was as if God was, oh, you're an adult now. I'm going to leave you to your own decisions. Not leave you, but you know, mm-hmm. like he's sovereign, but quiet. And so I wonder if you felt that. Um, I understand what he's saying. A lot of that... That may not be strategic by God. No, but. a lot of that what he's describing is insecurity. Uh, as you get older and wiser, you get less insecure about your leadership. Mm-hmm. But it's still tough. You know, you still deal with rejection, but it's a lot of times you're more, especially if you're spiritually healthy and doing things right, you're more resolved in what's right biblically and you, you learn to not care so much about what the outside world says. Yeah. When you're young, I mean, you're just young and insecure most of the time and it feels bigger than it is, you know? Yeah. Um, you also got nothing to lose. Right. And then the cost to others, people close to a leader pay a price too. I mean, that's that's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm extremely uh, sensitive to my family, my wife and my children. You know, what they have to sacrifice. Friendships. I mean, I get messed with a lot by people and like, oh, we used to hang out all the time, but now we don't hang out or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. If I was like discipling them for a while and then not, it's like, 
it's not because it's anything personal. It's just I have limited amount of time yeah. in a day, and it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't care about you, or you know. But like, you should be eating solid food and out there getting after it. You know, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> things you know things change that way. And that's that's right and natural, but. Um, but it does mean that, yeah, I'm not going to have the same five or six friends and every single weekend we're hanging out all the time. You know, like, it's just not the way it works. Yeah. You know. All right, well, how can we help people with this? Um, we have the cost of leadership, self-sacrifice, loneliness, fatigue, mm-hmm. criticism, rejection, pressure and perplexity, and then the cost to others. Yeah. Uh, how can we help people think through this and... I think our root or uh, the root or the scripture we should be rooted in to answer this is Ephesians chapter six, because all of this comes back to putting on the full armor of God and understanding the war that we're, we're in. Like we're in a spiritual battle, that there's a war between two kingdoms, kingdom of God, kingdom of the world. We have to understand that that's ultimately what it is. And we're fighting the evil in the world as well as the evil that's still in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so being spiritually disciplined, leaning on the Lord, running to Christ and being healthy and having, you know, people around us to rebuke us and love us and all those things. God has given us all the tools to run this race, right? Um, The question is, will we be spiritual? Will we wake up and put on the full armor of God? Mm -hmm. That's the question. And uh, a lot of times for a lot of people, the answer is no. Right. And they wonder why they feel like they're being pummeled. It's like, well, you're not fighting. You're not putting on the armor. You don't know how to wield your sword. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take that to modern day warfare and you walk out onto a battlefield and you don't know how to use your gun and you got half your armor on, it's a matter of time before you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you will be exposed. Yeah. You're walking across the battlefield like, hey, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody else is just like, well, he's dead. What's crazy is that in in the military there's no way to avoid that training mm-hmm. but in in christianity you can well it's, it's a falsehood sad. yeah in american culture and i love our country but the downfall of it is it's made everybody extremely comfortable and and satan has done a great job of putting a big facade here of easy believism of false doctrines of seeker sensitive movements of just prayer prayer just this and everything's great and God loves you and it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is that's not what Christ said and that's not in the Bible. And then when somebody meets a hardship they they immediately blame God or wonder why God's doing this and why this and why that and it's because they're not actually spiritual or they're not actually grown in their faith or they're spiritual babies at best who drink milk and don't even know how to eat solid food yet. Yeah. That's not for the pastor, by the way. So many people in our culture think that, oh, the real spiritual warriors, the real people that are real serious about their faith, they should be pastors. Mm -hmm. That's like an abnormality. Right. No, that's not true at all. (laughs) That should be normal for the church, right? You and I started those Ironman groups for our church. And... It's funny because at first everybody thought, man, this is really kind of it's kind of extreme. Like we got <laughs> we got to share faith, we got to we got to fight sin, we got to we got to have prayer lists for people, we got to read, we're going to study a whole book of the Bible, and we're share faith. 
And uh, what we tell them is, no, this is these are just the basics of Christianity. I'm actually just we're actually just helping you become biblical men, right? Or biblical women. Yeah, like that's the it. standard. The standard the baseline. Right. This is not special. This is this is the standard. <laughs> well, speaking to just the American culture, there's that that meme that I don't know where it's from, but it's it's like hard times create strong men, mm-hmm. strong men create good times, then good, good times, times create weak, weak men. men. And weak men create bad hard times. times. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. And that's Absolutely. what's happening. Absolutely. Here in America right now. Well, I'm thankful we're able to be here to help. And hopefully this was helpful. Maybe not the easiest listen in terms of like feel good, <laughs> but hopefully the most helpful. Yeah. But as you start walking in these disciplines and you know, bring, I know it's tough to do, but as you walk in them, like, it's just like a procrastination. Like, as soon as you get into it, mm-hmm. like, you immediately like, why did I wait so long to do this? Well, it's the same things with these costs of yeah. leadership. As soon as you walk in them, you'll start realizing, oh, this is what I was created for. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why, you know, I'm here on this earth is to walk through things like this. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff, bro. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Next week. Later. Something special. Hey. Just kidding. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays. And you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.